I recently acquired over a hundred letters, a hundred photographs and personal effects from Oscar and Emily Schindler. This might be a picture nobody else has seen before. Yeah. She risked her life equally and got none of the credit. Wow. lot you own a lot of stuff what are your top 10 books maybe top five that just give you the creeps they just they have a dark effect you're like i bought this thing but man it's tucked away in the back of the garage we don't touch it like what are your top five just heebie-jeebie artifacts or books well i went to an auction several years ago and i was planning on buying a couple of items. And then I saw that they there was a first edition copy of Mein Kampf for sale. And I go, I don't want to do, I didn't want to get the book. But then when I saw whose copy it was, and now this is first edition, I said, okay, I can do that because it's a copy that belonged to Klaus von Stauffenberg, Valkyrie the guy who came closest to killing Hitler, his copy, first edition of Mein Kampf. Now, I happened to tell that story to somebody else, and then they insisted on buying it, and so Glenn Beck owns that copy. I sold it to him. Interesting. Okay. But, 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 I mean... But that if wouldn't he, give you the creeps because, I mean, he tried to kill Hitler. He was, I mean... Theoretically yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's why I balanced it, but I don't have that. But then... I had the opportunity later to get a signed copy. And I and I went ahead and got that. But then it's like... Ooh, Wait, what, by signed? Who, who signed it? Hitler signed this copy of Mein Kampf. Whoa. So it's just like, yeah, that's one I rarely show. But I do show it. Here, here's the thing. You can't sweep everything under... There was a really bad guy. He did horrible things. It's like if you find the bridal harness of Genghis Khan. I mean, it doesn't erase the fact that Genghis Khan existed. And so we're part museum. We have tons of school groups come. And so I actually have people when we do this challenge, name any person, place, event within the past 500 years. And I'll show you something within no more than one degree of separation. Well, World War II comes up. And I, I, I'll ask him, you want the good side or the bad side? Not that either is good, but there were... Axis or allies, yes. Well, or the most visible face of the Holocaust, Anne Frank versus Hitler. You know, right, right, right. something, a, a, you know, the innocence of World War, you know, somebody who's just caught in it and dies. Yeah, the innocence or the aggression. Yeah, okay, yeah. Right, and right. so, but I do have a signed copy. But... I also have we assigned copy of Mein Kampf by signed by Adolf, Adolf Hitler himself on the title page. And he's a lefty and people who can read uh signatures. Did you hear that Democrats he's a lefty? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a it, his signature dives. It's a very pessimistic signature. Is that just from uh, kind of the physiognomy of yeah. signatures that's yeah. just a belief or is that yeah. kind of been scientifically proven somehow? It's, it's, it's just it's, the... 
people are knowledgeable in that reading and says, yeah, that's a very negative signature. Maybe it's all the meth he was doing. Oh, okay, do, do we get to see this thing? Or is this kind of like blacklisted? Yeah, okay, okay. Wow. So, I mean, well, but something we can come back to, I have, because- I was going to say, what do you have of Anne Frank? Well, Anne Frank, I have a letter from her father. So, first of all, he comes back, his wife and two daughters die toward the end. Of, and one reason it was such a shock is because the Allied forces were making their way into the Netherlands and then they stopped before they got to Amsterdam. And he thinks rescue is imminent. And really, the last days of the war, he's captured. Really? And we know that um, the war is over. A, 1945, 1947, he publishes the Diary of Anne Frank in uh, in Dutch. In Dutch, yeah, okay. Okay, five years later, it comes out in English. I have, feel free to prove me wrong if you can prove it, but besides the Anne Frank Museum, which, and I was there last month, and I counted them up, and it's like 65, 75 copies of the Diary of Anne Frank in all the different languages, I have 55 first editions of every language. I have the English, French, German, Italian, Welsh, Hebrew, Icelandic, mm. Catalan, you name it. I have 55 languages of the Diary of Anne Frank, all foreign languages. I have them here. They're in they're in that room right there. And obviously it couldn't have been signed by her because she no, was no, no, no. taken. But so people are reading that in the 1960s and 70s. That is everybody's term paper or whatever. Yeah. And people are writing. And Otto Frank is still alive. I mean, he lives to like 1990 or so. Okay. And people would write him and he would write back. They would want him to do readings, like read us the preface or whatever. And it got to be a point he was very, very old. And to the point where he says, I will answer one question. And this high school then came up with their question and he goes, I am astonished at the question from the burn high school because, and you can infer what the question was from his answer. He says, I can assure you that the last thing on Anne's mind when the Gestapo arrest us and is hauling us away was her diary. They ask her, so what did Anne think about her diary when you guys were being arrested? And he just says, that was the last thing on her mind. She was concerned about our physical well-being. And if I go to the box with all these cool items, I bet I can find that Otto Frank letter talking about it is almost impossible to find a letter tied to the Anne Frank family. 1977, Otto Frank, right wow. there. Otto Frank. So this is a surviving member of the family that was- The only surviving Anne, member. The only surviving member. Wow. Yes. Um, you're looking forward to, okay. I regret very much that I have to disappoint you. I cannot fulfill your wish to send you a tape as part of an epilogue. I am now 88 years of age and am feeling it. 
and have to refrain from such an emotional Emotional activity. activity. I hope you will understand. I am astonished about your question of the Bern High School. The students seem not to realize what the sudden appearance of the Gestapo in our hiding place meant to us. And during this shock, Anne surely did not think about her diary at all. Oh, wow. I mean, that's about as firsthand as you're going to get. Anything Anne Frank. Yeah, man. Oh, I can't imagine the grief of her father. Now, there's another story that Wow. This you just feel it. Oh, just the 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 man it brings tears to your eyes. Well, so this is 1977. 1982, this book called Schindler's List comes out. That's when the book is written. A decade later, Steven Spielberg makes it into a movie, wins Academy Award and everything. Once the movie came out, everybody wants to know what's happening to these people. Otto and Emily, or Oscar and Emily Schindler. I mean, he's the factory foreman or whatever that ends up saving 1,200 Jews from going to a concentration camp because he needs them for workers. Part of it was a selfish thing, but he still nonetheless saved them. And his wife was also there helping, trying to console the people and everything. Well, once the movie came out, everybody said, well, who's alive? Well, he dies in like 1974 or whatever. But the wife is still alive. And so she starts getting all the mail. Where is she? They went to Argentina and they're there like 15 years. And then Oscar goes back and never comes back. He wasn't the world's greatest husband. He actually took his mistress with him when they fled to Argentina. Yeah. I mean, and one reason he was effective is because he knew who to bribe. He, he, he was a scoundrel. Yeah. Like, and he so knew he knew how re- to do it. Okay. He knew how to work it. But yeah. nonetheless, he did. In the end, he did accomplish something that was good, but he gets all the credit. But she risked her life equally and got none of the credit. But everybody is writing her these letters. Now, she got pregnant like four times, had four miscarriages. But um, so the, so Oscar Schindler himself never had any direct descendants. Direct descendants. Because of these miscarriages. And okay. the wife stayed in Argentina until she died. Although when the film came out, she is invited to go up to to one of the screenings and everything. But I recently acquired over a hundred letters, a hundred photographs and personal effects from Oscar and Emily Schindler. What? And, and I'm not, I'm not sure there's any Holocaust museum in the world that has a lot of Schindler items. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally open to the right museum donating some of these so that they have something from the Schindlers. But I have his pocket watch that he has at the factory. I have another watch that he has. I have her watch. I have her passport. I have all of this. I mean, you just can't get personal effects like that from people. And who had them? A family in Argentina? or? Well, I believe her. there was a woman she befriended that also helped her write her book. And they were just kind of in limbo for like three decades. 
Because this is where I served. You have to realize I served in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And just like in Los Angeles, when you cross the right street, all of a sudden, all of the street signs turn into Chinese and you recognize, oh, I'm in Chinatown and then go another 10 blocks. Oh, once you start seeing the dots in the characters, I'm in Koreatown, you know, just like there's a X town in every part of Los Angeles. When you go to Argentina, the, the second you start hitting Rosario and Entre Rios and some of these northern provinces, you start getting street signs just in German. You will have people that answer the door, especially the elderly that will say Guten Tag. And, and, and they just like there's people's grandparents here who only speak Hungarian or Spanish or whatever. Well, I went to Bolivia. I German. went to Bolivia on my mission. Do you know who ended up in Bolivia? Uh, okay. In uh, um, He was there when I was there. Oh, man, there, who? Klaus Barbie. I mean, he was like the butcher. I mean, he was a really, really bad guy. Yeah, he was. He literally would be on the main Prado having his coffee every morning. Wow. Yeah. I, I can't believe how many of those Nazis escaped and just lived out in the open for so long. Oh, yeah. Um, in, in, in my mission, there was probably 10 to 20 that were... Uh, Promptly found and the Mossad chased him down and famously they caught. Come on, uh, Ben Kingsley played the role in the movie. Who was Eric Eichmann? Yes, Eric Eichmann. So Eric Eichmann was caught in uh, Argentina, but well, okay. And speaking of that, they had so they whisk him away, kidnap him, basically take him back, and they have a nineteen-month trial. And they ask him if he wants to give a final statement. I acquired from the personal effects of his lawyer his final statement in English, which I don't think has ever really been published. And it was bizarre. It was kind of, it was intense. How so? Well, first of all, it starts out like... Was he just unrepentant and... Er, yes and no. Uh, he. It starts out, I heard the verdict last week. Guilty. I knew my sentence, death. And for this, my fate, I feel nothing, nothing at all. I've been an aimless wonder ever since he basically escaped. I've always been ready to basically commit suicide. And he goes on to talk about, and he goes, I, it was the great ones, Hitler, Himmler, and Heydrich, and we were the followers. And he goes, um, and it goes on at first, it doesn't look like he's accepting responsibility. And then he goes on to talk about his family. He's talking about life in Argentina and then he says, I, I wish without hypocrisy to apologize to the Jewish people. And he knows, and he, he goes, and I will know in a future life that blind obedience is not a virtue. So, and, interesting. but then the most interesting part was he referred to his time in Argentina. He says, and it turns out the gypsy woman was right she prophesied or she said that I would die before I was 57 and he's 50 or before and he's 57 when he's finally caught and everything. And it wasn't just because we didn't give her more eggs or whatever. So apparently they had a little salt shop and they had a run in with a gypsy woman that pretty much cursed him, said he would die when he was 57. So what's his name, Barbie? Oh, uh, Eric Eichmann. No. Oh, oh Klaus Barbie. Klaus Barbie's the one in Bolivia. I'm talking about the guy who's uh, 
So who penned this confession that you just said? Eichmann. Eichmann himself. Eichmann. So Eichmann ended this up is being Eichmann. repentant. Yeah. And, and so Eichmann runs into an Argentine gypsy. While he's, before he's captured. Before he's captured. And that Argentine gypsy predicts before he's 58 that he, he will, will die. And at 57, he ends up being caught and convicted. Here's the conviction and says the gypsy was right yeah. as he's repenting to the Jewish people. That's, that, that right there, that, that's an Oscar winning like trial scene. So, right so there how, how, how in the zeitgeist of all of post-war Nazi hunting has this gypsy figure not, not been more prominent? Is just because you have, you have the only copy of this? Is it just not well known? What? Well, it's a copy I no longer have. One of the items I regret selling, but um, I read it several times and it just sticks with you when you, you, you can just see him pinning it. Um, and then, in all of this to bring up that conversation with the gypsy and um well so i mean he's talked so he was he was mis- he was miserable yeah like any moment ready to to unalive himself the guy was just some i mean after you do that much yeah. evil you're gonna have no you know anything positive left but the line that stuck up to me he says i will know in a future life that blind obedience is not a virtue so he's he's still in this pantheism reincarnation he's gonna well, and huh. and at the very beginning, he says, they asked me if I want a chaplain or whatever. And he goes, I'm not going to give anybody the satisfaction saying they, you know, gave me my last rites or whatever. And he's kind of dismissing religion there. And he goes, I'm not going to discuss my beliefs. But then he refers to in a future life, I will know that blind obedience wow. is not a virtue. So you unfortunately, you've already sold Eichmann's final testimony, whatever you want to call it. Do you have some of the Schindler artifacts still? I have all of the Schindler artifacts. Can we see a couple? Okay. (laughs) Oh, man. This is Argentina. You understand. This is where I served. Like, they, they still had men on search lists when I was there that were at large and still young enough that they could be actively pursued. You know, and, and, and it's so strange to think because there's there's been three young generations born since then. So some people, we've really reached the point where even World War II is ancient history for some of these young kids. And I've noticed that on TikTok and Instagram. But Russell M. Nelson was born pre-war. He was a teenager when World War II happened. Even weirder with operation paperclip when um the german leaders went to work for nasa like Werner von braun they went to texas and i grew up in houston i grew up right near huffmeister and mushki road and like half of the roads in houston are german names and you think oh well these are probably german names of the 1800s the german settlers no some of them are straight up named after german leaders in the german military after we uh, we hired a bunch of them to, to NASA. So, I mean, I knew this stuff growing up. I was always creeped out. I was like, this is kind of weird. And uh, and just to be honest, Houston at night has a very creepy feel. <laughs> Houston, Texas has a creepy feeling at night. It's like the beginning of, what's that movie where they find the old relic 
uh, Constantine. Yeah. With Keanu Reeves. Well, even when you they do find the, the old knife relic or whatever when, it is. When, when they do all the schools get to do their field trips to the NASA Center. Uh-huh. You think it's going to be this really cool, like, oh, this is going to be so cool and exciting. It's kind of weird vibes. You go and you're, like, you're just kind of like, huh. It's not as it's you just kind of like, and then you get older, you're like, oh, that's why there's dark vibes. Here. Yeah, that's why there's dark vibes. Here. Huh. All right, you need more time, or just give me another minute. Keep it rolling. And one last cool thing about that is you find out that Werner von Braun, before, because he was a bad guy, but he was also a little bit forced into becoming, you know, the position he had. He was friends with Jack Parsons, the father of modern, you know, the, the father of NASA, NASA really. And wow, okay. um, Jack Parsons, Werner von Braun were communicating before Werner von Braun was a Nazi and um, who was also best friend of Jack Parsons for a moment. L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, no, jeez. Your boy! Your boy! Jack <laughs> Parsons' life story, I think they had the show, the show Strange Angel about him. Crazy. And he, occultists to this day still credit him for ushering in the end of the world accidentally. For accidentally opening up a portal in Nevada. Um... And uh, when when uh, L. Ron Hubbard apparently, maybe it's kind of it's kind of folklore, stole his girlfriend and they 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 went off to to South America. He was so upset he grabs a globe and he summoned um, like a hurricane to hit their boat as they were sailing. And apparently, like they looked at his diary, looked at L. Ron's diary, and out of nowhere, like a typhoon comes and like almost kills them. And it's like crazy. How do you stuff. accidentally open up a porthole? Oh, uh, I mean, he was super into ritualistic magic and all that stuff. And so he wanted to uh, wow. open up a portal to, like, talk to some sort of beings. The whole thing gets crazy. All this stuff gets crazy. People think crazy stuff is going down now. No. In the 40s, 50s, and 60s, they were doing unbelievably crazy things. Oh, jeez. But that's man. why Nevada and New Mexico were so creepy at night as well. Oh, man. Okay, what what is... Can we... Oh, my gosh. I don't dare touch that until Reed comes back. Oh my gosh. Look at that. That oh. says Schindler on it. Emily Schindler. <gasps> There's a passport. Don't tell me that's his passport. Oh, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Get this on camera. So I am, I am evidenced as not having touched anything. <laughs> there's, there's evidence that I did not touch anything in the absence of Reed Moon. Okay, what? I'm glad you're back because it was hard not to just start rummaging through this. <laughs> yeah. So people who ask, how do, how, do, how do we know it's really theirs? How about I show you her passport? I mean, there's only one Emily Schindler right there that matches her birth date and everything. I mean, that's Emily Schindler's passport. Wow. And this is German passport? It's a German passport because she was a she yeah. was German. She was a German citizen. Okay. Yeah. But I have... And there it is in Buenos Aires. Wow. So then after the movies and everything come out, they're getting these little Oscar and Emily Schindler getting all of these commemorative things from different groups saying you guys are great humanitarians. Uh-huh. And I have over a hundred photographs. There she is later in life. I mean, wow. Oh, what a beautiful smile. Now she actually 
published a little book. Really? To to tell her side of the story. From the other side of the world, some of you will generously generously forgive me if my story is not precisely what you expected. But I trust that in the end you will thank me for not lying to you. I am writing from the edge where light and shadow meet. Yeah, that's a perfect way of putting it. That is my only gift. Oscar Schindler was bathed in all the light that history accorded him. And I feel that is not entirely fair. I mean, she risked her life too, but nobody has given her any credit. Yeah. I am doing this not for him, but for the sake of truth. People should know how these events actually took place. Steven Spielberg's film, film in Thomas Keneally's book, and all the rivers of ink spilled 50 years after the fact, depict my husband as a hero for this century. This is not true. Oh, oh dang. man! He was not a hero, and neither was I. We only did what we had to. In times of, in times of war, our souls wander aimlessly adrift. I was one of those fleeting shadows affected by atrocity, by all the misery and vehemence, suspicion and contradiction, which have left an indelible mark in my memory. It's all here within my head, no longer painful, or is it? Perhaps I am too old to allow myself the consolation of pain. Old age also brings us a kind of relief with its shadow and its apathy. Nothing is urgent now. I am speaking of times past, and once in a while, I let the present intrude and distract me. Oh, my heart. Man. And then she goes on to tell the story. And this, oh. And all of this. She had to learn Spanish. There's her German to Spanish book right there. Oh, my goodness. The, 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 how? And people sent her birthday cards. Emily Schindler. Emily, oh, here, there. Look at that address. Wow. Yeah, there it is. So lots and lots of cards. One of the most beautiful I saw was, I know you don't remember me, but when we were in the factory, you gave me a piece of chocolate. The first piece of chocolate I had tasted in five years since before the war. Oh, wow. So, I mean, there's a lot of really interesting things in here, including her copy of the list. That is Schindler's List? Copy. Her copy of Schindler's List. Wow. Oh, my gosh. It was given to her when she went for the premiere. Oh, so this is... This is Emily Schindler's copy oh, of shit. Schindler's List. Wow. Oh, I cannot believe. Wow. Okay. So I, I was going to say this. I, I don't know what I feel more passionately about. You maintaining this so the world has access to it and it doesn't just get locked away in some vault or whether just uh, the right museum needs to have this so that people can see it, you know? Two of her rings. Wow. Only things of earthly value. 
Okay. Uh, anything else to say on this one? Or just, I feel like I need to cool down, like... Oh, yeah, let's... <laughs> the Zabruder film fell. Yeah, only at Reed Mune's museum can you have the film of who shot John F. Kennedy uh, sitting right next to Emily Schindler's passport and personal jewelry. Oscar Schindler's watch, Emily Schindler's watch. Whoa. So this is it. Okay. I mean, to have personal effects from these iconic people in history is just... Oh my gosh. A lot of those are extended family. Mm -hmm. She met her niece who gave her a bunch of these pictures. But, um, yeah, I mean, to have this from their collection. Well, and here's another. And here's another stack of photos. Oh, let's go here. Look at these. So this was Oscar Schindler then? Yeah, that's Oscar Schindler right there. So that's Oscar Schindler. And then Emily, that's probably her. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Wow. Oh, this is actually Oscar Schindler getting on a horse. <laughs> wow. Doesn't look like yeah. Liam Neeson. No. <laughs> right there. Wow. What a beautiful woman. Yeah, nine... This is actually, this is actually at the time of Schindler's List because that's 1944. Oh I'm, man. So that's literally at the time he's doing the factory. This might be a picture nobody else has seen before. Yeah. Wow. Never before seen documents and relics of Oscar and Emily Schindler. Wow. Okay. It makes you think of like how bizarre it was that so many of the Germans went to Argentina and Brazil um, and then ended up having create new families in those places. Well, there was a famine that had preceded, and it's, it's, it's interesting, the same migration that made it possible for the Nazis to have an escape route via the help that they got from the Vatican was because of a great famine that had happened at the turn of the previous century. And a lot of people had to leave Germany. There was also many immigrants that had been rejected from Ellis Island and those migrations that had gone down to Buenos Aires as well. So there had already been 20 or 30 years strong right, right. A, uh, a German presence in Argentina, along with all the other Europeans. Like when I served my mission in Argentina, I think it was somebody will find the true stat, but it was something to the 80th percentile of um, Porteños, which are people that are in Buenos Aires, some 80% of them are of Italian and Spanish. You're well, I mean, heritage. I, so. there, there's a girl in my ward who is a directly related to uh, German leadership. Really? Um, and it's, wow. it's kind of interesting on how fast like they... Like, how many of them really believe in the ideology? Yeah, well, it's why we have the it, that birth psychology. Trying to understand the group thing of the German people is what births a study of psychology. Yeah. So, because, like, they immediately went and 
polluted their bloodline. Like, yeah, yeah. I hate to just, like, use <laughs> yeah. their language, but polluted their bloodline, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, and, and the same with the Japanese. Like, it's, it's, they very clearly are not Aryans. You yeah. know? <laughs> and then <laughs> Hitler's like, they're honorary Aryans. And everyone's like, what do you, what do you mean? Yeah. Right. <laughs> just... Does he even believe this? What's going on? Yeah. So. Oh.